You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Thank you, Anne. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, Anne said she had a dream that I didn't know where Burgess Hill was. Well, actually, I do know where Burgess Hill is because I had an aunt who lived in Hassocks. So um, I've spent lots of time in Hassocks, actually, just down the road. So I'm trying to train myself to sit on this stool. Because I have a... I have a problem with my feet, and, uh, uh, and so if I stand all morning, I'll be in agony by the end. So I'm desperately trying to, trying to train myself to sit on a stool rather than walk around. But we'll see how it goes, okay? So you don't mind me sitting, do you? Okay, so last week I was in Italy, and I sat like this for a couple of hours, and my feet went dead. Absolutely dead, you know, just asleep. And I'm thinking, oh no, I've got to get off this stool now. My feet are dead. What's going to happen? So we'll see. Um, you know, it's really great to have the opportunity to share with folk like you. My heart really is to really see God do amazing things in local church. You know, it's great to go away to something like Faith Camp or other, you know, big events. And we do a number of them and, and whatever. But where the rubber hits the road is with you guys in local church. You're the ones who actually do all the hard work of sowing all year. And then children go to these these national events, and we reap all the rewards of your hard work. Uh, okay, so, um, I, so I'm really happy to, to have the opportunity to actually share out of my experience. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know all the answers. You know, and when I think I have tied all the loose ends up, then God does something a bit different, and I think, oh no, I'm starting all over again here. But I've made a lot of mistakes, and that's how you learn, isn't it? Um, this year at Faith Camp is going to be our 29th year um, of leading the kids there. And um, I launched um, Power Pack at Faith Camp in 1986. Um, and I would never have dreamt at that, that point in time what I would have seen God actually do. Um, and it's been truly amazing that just to see little kids really uh, come to the point where they really believe that God can, God can uh, use them powerfully. And, um, and so I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do what I sometimes call, let's move on the slide. Um, I, 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 I'm gonna do a bit of a taste today, today. So my advice to you is keep calm and get ready. Okay? Because I'm gonna go fast. Okay? Because I've got enough here probably for about a week. Alright? And I'm gonna trust actually that God is going to impress on you what you need to hear. Then there'll be some things that I might say and you'll think, oh, I don't know about that. That's kind of a bit, bit out there. Or, or there'll be other things that you think, oh yeah, actually, that really confirms what I think, what I feel, what I've experienced. Um, but, so here's a taste today. I'm trusting that Emma's doing it because I'm not going to keep looking around. She's watching me. Okay, and I've got it on my iPad. Okay, so you might feel like this at the end. Now, I have to tell you a little story because yesterday, uh, Emma and I and Chris, who works with us, we had a very special treat um, because last year I had a special birthday. And for my birthday, Emma gave me uh, a, a, a treat of going to Harrods and having afternoon tea. That's where the seriously rich go. We were playing at being seriously rich for an afternoon. Okay, so we went up on the train to London and we go to Harrods and you feel like, what am I doing here, you know? And they give you this lovely selection of sandwiches and cakes and whatever. 
And they keep coming around saying, do you want more? Do you want more? And uh, by the time you leave, you've had your sugar overdose for about the next month kind of thing. And it was just a lovely, lovely experience to, to share, share that together, and, but to overdose, really. So this is how we felt last night, okay? And, uh, you know, that's good and bad because at the end of this morning, you might think, oh, I can't take any more, let me out of here. Well, at least we're only doing half a day. Imagine what it would be like if we did a whole weekend, okay? So, I believe in these days God's got his spotlight on children in a big way. Everywhere I go, it feels like God is, uh, has prepared the ground almost. It's like people are saying, uh, we, we have to see God do more with our children. You know, all the time they reckon that we're losing young people and children from church. Well, that's not what I see, actually. I, I see young people who are very spiritually hungry and who are desperately in need of knowing who God is and who, who they are. Um, and everywhere I go, it's like the spotlight's on, on them. And uh, I love this verse from Lamentations, which says, Children and infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? Now, this is talking about a situation where literally... Uh, children were saying, where is bread and wine? Where, where is sustenance, physical sustenance? But I actually believe this is what children in these days are saying. Where is bread? Jesus is the bread of life. Where is wine? And, and wine is often used as, a, as symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And kids are spiritually hungry. They don't always know what for, but they are spiritually hungry. And, uh, and our job, really, I believe, is to bring them to a place where they, they, they know how to, if you like, have a relationship with God and tap into his resources. Because they have to stand in pretty difficult situations. Um, some years ago, I was actually in Argentina and I was sick. It's horrible being sick when you're away from home. Every experience that awful. We were standing in this hotel and I was sharing a room with someone and and I coughed and coughed and coughed all night long. And then just before it was time to, to get up, I fell asleep and I had a dream. And in my dream, I arrived um, uh, at the end of a children's meeting. And there were hundreds of children there. It was in a big, big building. And uh, the building was quite strange because the whole of this side of the building was open. Um, and um, and as I, as, I, as I arrived at this meeting... I sensed that the children had had a good fun time, but there's not been a lot of spiritual input into their lives. And children do need fun. Do you know that? It's really, really important. And one of the core things that we say is that, you know, you need fun and you need the spiritual in the right balance. Of course, sometimes kids think that the spiritual stuff, especially when God's on the case and God's working, is fun. So I had a boy who once came to me and he said, oh, it's been the most fun meeting I've ever had today. And I said, why was that? He said, because I was praying for people and I saw God touch them. You know, so uh, it, fun and spirituality are not, are not exclusive to one another. You, they can both happen at the same time. So anyway, these kids had had fun, I sense. Could you get me some water, somebody, please? Sorry. Thank you. Um, these kids had had fun, but not a lot of spiritual, spiritual input. 
And I saw this huge wave like a tsunami coming towards them. And I knew that represented all the, the difficult circumstances, the evil in the world that was coming against the children. And, um, and as, I was, as I was watching, I, I, I knew that this wave was going to break over the children. And it was, it, was, it was scaring me. I was like, come on, we've got to get the kids out of the way because this is a dangerous place that they're into. They're in. And so I started yelling. Oh, great, thank you. Yeah. Let's hope I don't knock it over. <laughs> I started yelling at all the leaders. Thanks very much. I started yelling at the leaders, come and help me rescue the children. And, uh, and basically, they all stood there and did nothing. And I was, I was horrified. I was like, come on, come on, help me. The, the wave's going to break. And before I knew where I was, the wave broke on the children. And, um, and the children, literally in front of me, were like flailing around in the water, you know, drowning before my very eyes. And then I realized, you know how dreams are, that they're, they're, they don't make sense in some ways. But I realized I was standing in the water. And so were the other leaders. And so I'm still shouting at the leaders, help me, help me. And they're just standing there looking at me as if I'm crazy. And, uh, and then I realized there were some children who were also standing. And so I started, I thought, right, I'm going to ask the kids to help me. So I started saying, come on, kids, let's, let's help, rescue, help me rescue the other children. And we rescued, me and the kids, all the children. And then I woke up. I'm pleased I rescued them all before I woke up, or it would have been a nightmare, eh? And, uh, and I knew it was a significant dream. Now, I have the most ridiculous dreams, but just occasionally I have a significant one. I knew it was from God. I didn't really understand all the ins and outs of it at the time, but I knew it was going to be an important dream. And so, um, anyway, I went through the day, and later that day I went to another meeting. And uh, in the middle of the worship, the pastor stops the worship, and he points at me, and it, that's kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, the type feeling, you know. Ever had that? You know, it's like, oh no, what's going to happen here? And he says, I've got a word from God for you. And he proceeds to tell me my dream word for word. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess this is really important then if God's told me it twice. Um, and, um, and so what God began to show me was that actually children... Um, Children are, are facing really difficult situations. There is an attack on them in every way. Their identity, their faith, it's really hard for them in school. And I think sometimes we don't really understand how difficult it really is for them. And why some of our Christian kids are bullied badly, or they keep their mouths shut about the fact that they're Christians because they don't want to stand out. And, um, and basically, go back in. <laughs> uh, and basically, I believe that God wants to change the kids that were drowning, who weren't doing very well, into kids that can stand strong in Him. So, no matter what comes against them, they can stand. You know, Daniel in chapter. Chapter 1 of Daniel. God's been really speaking to me about Daniel chapter 1 and 2. And I recommend you actually have a read of that. You know, Daniel's taken off to Babylon um, with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, we tell the kids that story all the time. And, uh, and that he says no to the 
the king's food and give us only vegetables and water. Well, it's reckoned that Daniel was probably only 14 years of age at that time. And, uh, and the others would have been somewhere between 12 and 16. Now, they were some strong young people to be taken off to another country, another language, away from their homes, away from their religion. They were all given names, new names, that, of course, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Babylonian names. And while their, their Hebrew names all had something to do with God, our God, their God, these Babylonian names all had something to do with uh, the Babylonian gods. There was an attack on their identity. Um, and I think part of what we need to do in these days as children's leaders is to really build our kids up, help them to get strong, help them to know who they are. You know, we're horrified that sometimes we ask kids to, if they don't, you know, if they've got low self-esteem. We don't say those words, but they think they're rubbish. They think nobody really, really takes any notice and whatever. And we always have far more than 50% of kids in our groups respond for prayer for that kind of thing. These are Christian children or kids from Christian homes feel like that. Um, you know, there was an attack on, on Daniel's faith at that time. He was, he was uh, offered food from the king's table. It would, you know, most teenagers, you know, it's hard for them to resist food, particularly boys, okay? Nice food, they'll go for, and they eat and eat and eat. If you've had teenage boys, you'll know. Um, and, uh, you know, here was food that would have probably been prepared in a way that wasn't, it was unclean for Jews. It was food that they couldn't eat as Jews. It, was, it, would, it might have been food that was offered to idols. And Daniel was strong enough to say, no, our faith says we, we're not allowed this. And he did it in a very wise way. I'll give you that homework. Look at Daniel 1 and 2 and see what happened. And there was an attack against his faith. And there was an attack against his culture. He'd come from, obviously, a, a religious, if you like, a Hebrew, uh, a Jewish culture. And now he was being made into a Babylonian. He was being taught their literature, their language. And, uh, and there, was an attack, there was an attack against his culture. And, um, you know, there's an attack against the Christian culture that our, our kids may be having in their homes and then they go to school and it's totally the opposite. So it's really hard for kids and we really need to help them stand strong. And in my dream as well, I, I believe that God wants to move leaders from a place where actually they're just having a fun time with their kids to a place where they actually see, see the seriousness of the situation. You've gone very quiet on me in here. You know, this, but it's serious, isn't it? You know, where we can see the seriousness of the situation and see what God wants to do. He wants to open our eyes to what he can do with kids. And really, this is what this morning is about. I'm going to share lots of stories, lots of testimonies, really to hopefully inspire you as to, to what is possible with kids. And I don't think I've seen the half of it yet. I keep getting words given to me, you've seen nothing yet. And I'm thinking, I don't know what else I could see, but, you know, if I keep getting those words, then I'm expecting more type thing. So, um, I, I, I've used a, a few little headings here just to try and keep me on track. So, first of all, I want to say that God 
in order for these things to happen, certain other things need to happen. And you'll see what I mean by that in a minute. That God wants us to go from a place where children's work is not isolated in a church, but it's integrated into the whole church. What do I mean by that? I mean that, that actually your church here has a culture, okay, to use a, an in-word. There are certain things in that are part, that make you who you are as a church. Okay? There are some things that are strong in the church and some things that are not quite so strong, maybe. And I really, really believe that children, the children's ministry of any church needs to actually fit in with the culture of the whole church. So, for instance, here's a stick of rock, okay? I take this to other countries and they look at me as if to say, a stick of rock? don't think so, but we understand it here. Now, this actually is from the Bible Society, so I'm cheating, really, and it says something in the middle that I can't read with my glasses on. It says the big mission, okay? But normally, a stick of rock, it's got the name of a, a place. So if you go down the road to Brighton, you're going to buy a stick of rock that has Brighton in it, yes? And it, and it has Brighton all the way through it. It doesn't say Brighton at one end, Bognor in the middle, and uh, Bournemouth in the, net, in the other end, does it? Otherwise, actually, we'd, if, if it did, we'd, it, we'd sell it on eBay for a lot of money. Okay, because it would be very unique. Um, it, it says it all the way through. And I believe that the, the characteristics, if you like, the culture of, of a church needs to be seen all the way through the ministries of the church. So whether it's with children, whether it's with adults, whether it's with older people, it's with youth, whatever you do, the, the same kind of characteristics need to be seen. So, what are, the, what are the things that make you as a church who you are? And uh, we haven't got time this morning to actually spend time talking about that. But there might be something you want to do together as leaders in the future. What makes you who you are? So, for instance, are you familiar with hill songs? Okay. Now, what is one of the, the, the most strongest things in hill songs? Worship. Okay. So, you would hope that within the children's ministry and the youth ministry at hill songs, worship would be there. Yeah. And if it isn't, it's not very integrated into the whole church. So, what makes you who you are? And I, I want to I suggest that you might think about what the cultural characteristics of your church are. Make a list and then ask yourself, are these true in our children's ministry? Is the vision for your church similar to what is the vision for your children's ministry? You know, there's some churches where Bible teaching, teaching is very, very strong. Um... Well, you would hope to see that in your children's ministry. There, there's some churches where the evangelism is very strong. We would hope that would play out into your children's ministry. Uh, there's some churches that have a, a strong emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. You would hope you'd see that in your children's ministry. You see what I'm saying? So what happens when that is the case, um, and this is a whole other session, is it does things like make transitions from one group to another easy. Because what happens is, what's been true in the children's work is then true in the youth work. So 
So it's not a big jump to go from one to the other. And then what's been true in the youth work is the same as in the main church, adult church. So you can easily go from one to the other. It means that when children go home um, and share with parents and vice versa, they're on the same page. They might not have studied the same thing or looked at the same thing necessarily. I'm not saying that, that actually exactly what you do is the same, but I'm saying the same cultural characteristics are, are there. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so a good exercise is actually to think about what makes you who you are and then ask yourself, um, is, it, are those cultural values, uh, cultural characteristics, those things that are strong in our church reflected in the children's ministry? And grade yourself out of ten. Give yourself a mark out of ten. And look at where you, you perhaps need to have some emphasis to actually bring this, um, what I'm calling, integration. Here we are. Core values. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next point then. So, inter um, isolate, isolated to integrated. Secondly, um, there's, there needs to be a shift, I believe, in children's ministry in this country from education to encounter or experience. It's not that education, in other words, teaching the, the word of God, is not important. But I think we've inherited, um, if you like, our past. You know, Sunday school was started to teach, to teach children to read. If you look at the history of Robert Rakes and his whole Sunday school movement, it was to get kids off the street so they wouldn't make a noise on Sunday while people were in church. And it was actually to teach them to read. And they taught them to read by using the Bible. Okay, That's where... That's the roots of children's ministry. And what's happened is that we've often, we've stayed there. And so by the time the kid, a kid who maybe has been in church since they were, you know, a baby, they've grown up in church, gets to 11, they know the Bible well. They could tell you the stories, probably, better than you could tell them yourself sometimes. They've heard the Good Samaritan story until they're sick of the Good Samaritan story. Um, you know, I, I remember going to um, Nick, who works with me now. I, I remember when I first went to his church. And he was, you know, a young teen at the time. And he said, and I was leading the youth, and he said, please don't tell us the story of the Good Samaritan anymore. I've heard it every year since I've been, I was born, and I'm tired of it, you know. Um, because, you see, what, what we've done is we fill their heads... Um, but actually, their hearts don't get touched. Now, I grew up, um, I became a Christian at a camp when I was 11, and I decided, um, after I became a Christian, that I, I needed to do three things. One was pray, one was go to church, and the third one was read the Bible. So I decided at 11, I was going to read the Bible all the way through in a year. Now, this was a long time ago, and before you could buy all those written plans to tell you what to read every day. Okay, so 11 years old, I was a reader, I liked to read, I started to read the Bible all the way through and I, I kind of like tried to plan it out myself, read a little bit one day and a lot the next day and try and get through the whole thing. And what I did was all the way through my teenage years, I read the Bible all the way through in a year. I knew the Bible really, really well. Did I have a strong relationship with God? Not really. I knew it here 
but it hadn't penetrated to my heart. I didn't really understand totally how I, I could apply it into my life. I hadn't really had an encounter. And, uh, uh, and last year, God really spoke to me on and off during the whole year from the story of the, uh, the disciples in Luke chapter 24, um, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, when they're walking along, they're down in the dumps, Jesus has died, and, and, and Jesus joins them on the road. And they don't recognize him. They don't know. And he teaches them, it says, from the scriptures. But they still don't recognize him. And then they get into uh, the house and Jesus breaks bread. And at that point, they recognize him. And they have an encounter, in other words. And then their response is, oh, weren't our hearts burning within us when he taught us along the way? And they were transformed at that point. Because they realized Jesus was alive. They'd had an encounter. And it made all the difference for them. Um, they heard teaching from the best teacher of all along the road. And we can be the best teacher imaginable. But unless it makes that journey from head to heart, unless there's an encounter with, with God for themselves, um, it's very easy for them to walk away from things. Because it's just a, more history. It's just a story. And uh, my heart is that, that kids will... Kids will have an encounter. They will want, and, and it's the Holy Spirit who, uh, who was sent to help us have those encounters, to, to help us experience God in all his fullness. The Holy Spirit's described in Luke as a helper. Jesus sent him to be a helper. And so, you know, we can think, oh, you can go over the top with the Holy Spirit, you can keep talking about the Holy Spirit and, and whatever. Well, I actually think you need to talk about all three members of the Trinity. Kids need to know that God is a father. Many kids don't have that experience of good father. They need to know God is a father. They need, they need to know about God the Son and what he did while he was on the earth. But they also need the help of the Holy Spirit to make it real to them. So um, education to encounter, I believe. Here's a little video for you. This is the road to Emmaus. Just watch the faces of these disciples. I love that little video. Because basically, one encounter with God absolutely changes everything. Is it working? Yep. Good. Never quite sure when I put a video in a presentation like this, whether it's going to work. One encounter with God can change everything, though. That's why it's really important that, that we, we make opportunity for our kids to actually have those encounters with God. Not just in terms of salvation, but in terms of applying the word of God into their lives. In terms of receiving prayer for those things that they need help with. I've written a little book uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Anne, but it's called um, 30 Moments of Encounter. Really because God, God started speaking to me about, from, from little objects, everyday objects. And um, so this is the book. So, for, for instance, God spoke to me through a magnifying glass. And just like the, 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 um, the rays of the sun are intensified, when you get the magnifying glass. I believe it's like God wants to put his spiritual magnifying glass on us in these days. 
and he wants to intensify his presence. And so I use these little objects just to, if you like, create a moment of encounter. They don't have to be the whole program. So I might start a meeting saying, today, a session with the kids, I might, today God wants to put his magnifying glass on us. He wants to intensify his presence. Who wants God's magnifying glass on them? Because the kids put their hands up and, and then they start praying. God, put your magnifying glass on me today. You know, not a traditional way of praying. I don't expect many of you have heard that prayer in church. But why not? Why not? Because they understand it. We want, we want to help them, um, uh, if you like, access the presence of God. Access uh, the, the resources of heaven. Uh, and to use some simple objects. So... Um, let's move on um, I used a hot and cold pack for instance you know and uh, that verse from Revelation 3 15 to 16 where it's talking, talking to the Laodicean church where it says I wish you were either hot or cold um, but because you're lukewarm I'm going to spit you out you know that's my paraphrase and uh, I often wondered why it says um, you're neither cold or hot You'd think God would want to say, you're not hot. That's how we use it, wasn't it? But in actual fact, if you look at the history, look at the, the situation, Laodicea, um, they, had, they had hot springs and they had fresh cold springs. And the hot springs were for, um, people would come for healing, and the fresh springs provided their drinking water in that area. And, and what, what, what's really being said to the Laodicean church here is, I wish you knew what, which one you were. You can be hot or cold, because both of them have got a purpose. Just don't mix the two, otherwise they're good for nothing. So I'd say to, to kids, you know, God wants you to be hot or cold, just like a cold hot pack. It's no good if you don't put it in the freezer or in the microwave. It's useless. Well, God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be on fire for him. Or he wants us to be full of, of, of his spirit so we can bring refreshing to others. Make sense? Just a simple thing. Chocolate. Kids all like chocolate. Well, most of them anyway. We often give kids a minstrel. They're the best chocolate if you want to try this, because they don't melt. Okay? And uh, we get them to suck the minstrel and taste how good it is. Hopefully you like that galaxy-type chocolate. I don't particularly, so it doesn't work for me, but... You know, um, and then we talk about the fact that God is good and he wants us to know that in all kinds of ways. And every time you have chocolate, remember, God is good. Batteries. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that is literally go on being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time deal. Um, and so we talk to the children constantly about the need to keep receiving from the Holy Spirit. We need help every day. Actually, we need help every minute of the day. Don't we? So do our children. Um, fire extinguishers. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. In one of the translations, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is translated that out. Kids get this really well, you know. Talk to them about the fire of God. Obviously, it's not a physical fire. It's the Holy Spirit fire. And then you talk to them about the kind of things that actually put out the fire. They'll tell you it's when you've got the wrong friends 
or you watch the wrong things on TV, or you play the wrong computer games. They can recognise those things. Um, and so we might just, I might just walk around, I'll pick up a fire extinguisher, or I'll point to a fire extinguisher in a room, um, and I'll just say, you know, God says today, he doesn't want any fire extinguishers in our lives. It's just a little five minute, we call them take a moment times. That's why I called the book 30 Moments of Encounter. You can just throw it in, into your program. You don't have to just scrap all your materials, whatever you're using. You just throw it in because uh, and God can, you know, just really bring a little encounter moment. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be all mystical and over the top. It's just a natural way of kids connecting with the Holy Spirit and with, with the Helper. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure if you start thinking about um, things that you see around, God will give you ideas. You know, I mean, I wrote that book just, just uh, um, you know, of things that God's shown me, and I, I'm collecting another list for another book now. That could be interesting to find the time to write it, but there you go. Um, but, you know, be, be open to God just showing you little things. I got the idea of the batteries, for instance, when I was washing up one Christmas years ago, and somebody made the comment, um, after somebody gave up from drying up, oh, he's not a Duracell. And I felt God say to me, no, it's not a Duracell I need. I need a rechargeable battery. You know, just a simple little statement was that. So I could say a lot more about that, but I want to move on. Um, the theme of the day is chocolate, obviously. And if I'd been really kind to you, I would have bought a box of chocolates now and passed it around. But you're going to have an imaginary box, okay, because I didn't bring one, I'm sorry. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I don't know what you do if you're offered a box of chocolates. Now, some of you probably uh, are quite happy to take whatever chocolate is in the box. You don't care. You like them all. Okay, anybody like that here? Okay, one or two. Okay, some of you have got your special favourites. Anybody here? Okay. And some of you, the first thing you do when you get a box of chocolates is you want the piece of paper to tell you what's in it. Anybody like that? That's me. I only like one or two chocolates that are in a box of chocolates. So I want that piece of paper to find out what, what I'm getting. You know. And so um, somebody offered me a ch chocolate. Oh, we were at Spring Harvest doing the kids' work and somebody gave us a box of things. And somebody bought it around and said, oh, that's... Um, that's a caramel. It's a hard one. I like the hard ones. And when I got it, it was orange, chocolate orange. And I hate chocolate orange. So I'm like, that's it. I'm not even going to... They couldn't find the piece of paper. I wasn't interested in any more. You know, they'd given me the wrong one and that was it. Um, and, but you know, what, what, what you find is, if people generally um, like most chocolates in a box, I mean, anybody like most of them, you might not like all of them, but you like most of them, okay? You look for your favourite the first time round. If it comes round again, your, your absolute favourite might not be there, but you're quite happy to take another one. Yep, and maybe another one. <laughs> um, and, you know, children are all different. Have you noticed? And so are we, okay? And uh, some of the things that we do with our kids... Um, some kids really don't like them. I mean, we did a survey with kids once, and we asked them all kinds of questions about what they thought about church. 
Or if you want to really find out what they think, do a little questionnaire with them. It was shocking. <laughs> it really, it really, really, really surprised me. And one of the kids said, they tell you you're going to have fun, but you don't. You know, because some things are fun for some, but not for others. Believe it or not, some kids hate games. And some kids hate crafts. Some kids love crafts, and some kids love games. And, uh, and, and really what we've got to do, and this is a whole other session really, but we, we need to create a balanced program, if you like, that includes lots of different things, so that if their absolute favourite is not there, there's likely that there'll be something that's their second favourite or their like. If their absolute favourite is there, favourite thing to do, it's likely that they'll be happier to take all the other things. Does that make sense? So let's say you see a box of chocolates. Think about your kids, you know. And some of, are, um, some of them are hard, aren't they? And some of our kids are much harder than others. Some are soft. Some are easy. Um, and everything in between. And what God's really spoken to us uh, about in the last few years is a need to create different settings for kids to connect with God. They won't all connect with God in the same way. Okay? So, we want them to have an encounter with God. How, how are we going to help that along, if you like? How are we going to facilitate those things happening? Well, those take-a-moment things can help. Um, but another thing that we've done, and I'm just going to share some photographs of something that we've done, really, that you might like to think about, that might actually stir you to think further around what you do. I don't know how you work with your children. I don't know exactly what you do, and that's a good thing at this point in time. Um, and if I say anything you, and you really don't like it, no squashed tomatoes, please, okay? Just be kind to me and just keep it to yourself what you think, Okay. But, you know, we've, we've been, as I said, to faith camp for 29 years. And one, or this is going to be 29, 28. One of the things that's been amazing for us is that year after year after year, we've had some wonderful times of worship with children, corporately together. Um, just in its, there's nothing better than seeing, you know, hundreds of children just worshipping God. You know, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, just to remind you, though, that children's concentration levels are about one minute per year of their age. So the average five-year-old, five minutes. The average 10-year-old, 10 minutes. 20-year-old, maybe 20 minutes. And after that, it goes downhill again. So some of you I've lost a long, long time ago, okay? Um, but, you know, when I say we've had some wonderful worship times, they might have been 10 minutes long. That's all. But actually, they've been great because there's been an incredible sense of the presence of God and kids really connecting with God in all kinds of ways. Um, and then we've moved on to something else. Sometimes God elong elongates that, that. So I remember being at one event and um, we wanted to pray for children to receive the love of God. And so they were all sitting on the floor. There were about 500, 550, 8 to 11-year-olds. And we were in a big old cow shed. 
metal cow shed that smelt horrible and had rats running around in it and all sorts. Let's not even go there. Uh, but we saw some God do some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things um, at, at this event. It wasn't faith camp. So. And um, so I just prayed simply that God would reveal his love to the children. And it was like God walked through the door and flicked a switch. And it was so quiet. You know when you go out into the mountains, if you've ever done that, and it's quiet, you can almost touch it. Do you know what I mean by that? It's so quiet. Well, it was like that in this cow shed. And, um, and it was so quiet that there were some leaders clearing up from our craft activity. And one of them tore a piece of sellotape. And I was probably from here to the, the door out there, and I could hear the piece of sellotape being torn. These were 8 to 11-year-old kids. And five minutes went past, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. After 22 minutes, I broke the silence. 22 minutes of total silence. Now, you really know God's on the case then. Okay, because that's not natural. Because it's way beyond their concentration spans. Eight minutes to 11 minutes I had there, children. That was all. But God did something amazing. And sometimes God will do that. And if kids are involved in doing something, they're likely to actually concentrate for longer. Have you found that? Um, so one of our um, leaders who works a lot with under fives last week did something in her church. And uh, she decided that after she'd done the teaching about the four friends putting their uh, friend through the roof so she got a cardboard box and ripped off the top of the cardboard box and lowered down you know a toy and all that kind of stuff um, um, that they were going to have a, what we call a soaking time so just laid the kids down on the floor and put some music on and just asked them to just to talk to God she thought it'd last a couple of minutes well the, the, the music track that she used was eight minutes long and after eight minutes they were still there this is under fives two three and four year olds that's God. Okay, and you know that's God when that happens. But generally speaking, it's short. Anyway, back to my story about faith camp. We've had these wonderful times worshipping. And, uh, and then uh, three years ago, I think it was. Two or three years ago. can't remember. Um, God had been speaking to me from Joshua, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, and what he showed me was that when the, when the Israelites went into the promised land, they experienced God in a whole new set of ways to what they did when they were in the desert. So in the desert, they had food that appeared miraculously every day. They had fire by night and a cloud by day. Um, they had water that came out of a rock. They had all these things that happened, right? When they went into the promised land, okay, the fire wasn't there and the cloud wasn't there. Uh, they had to plant their food and, and, and make their food. You know, it didn't miraculously appear. But they did see God, you know, the, the walls of Jericho fall down and stuff like that. They saw God um, uh, manifesting himself, if you like, in a different way. Okay? So God was talking to me about that. So we get to faith camp. And, you know, we had, it was terrible. We couldn't get the kids to join in with the worship. It was absolutely terrible. And it got to about Wednesday, and I'm like, what is going on here? We've had 25 years or something where it's been wonderful. We're not doing anything different. What's happening? Half the kids, or more than half that are here, we had last year. So 
why is it like this? And, and God said to me, it's because I'm doing something different. And you are looking, you are looking for the same manifestation as you've had all the years. And I'm doing something different this year. So I'm like, oh, that's what I've been speaking about everywhere. I didn't quite get it for that, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and what we saw that year was children really meeting with God in very individual ways. Um, and sometimes we need, it's not about the whole group connecting with God in the same way. It's about individuals, like the different chocolates, if you like, connecting with God in their own way. And so one of the things that we've done is we've set up what we've called encounter zones. Um, now, we've done it like this because of the way we are in a, in a big event. Um, but certainly um, in a, in a you know, local church setting, you could take just one of these activities a week. You don't have to do the whole big encounter zone thing. But our children rotate around different activities, and one of the activities will be an encounter zone. So we've actually set up different kinds of activities. We've, we've made a, a special space. Okay, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just sharing what we've done. We've, we've made a special space. We've asked kids, we've decorated it as nicely as we can, and we've asked kids to take their shoes off before they go in because it's like holy ground, it's like something different. Now, of course, I talked about this in Thailand, and nobody would ever go into a, a building with their shoes on, so it doesn't quite work there. you know. But in our culture, we generally keep our shoes on, don't we? Unless somebody's got like, some nice new carpet or something, then we take them off. And so this is a special place. And we have kids go in, and there's a, a, there's a range of different activities that they can, if you like, uh, they just just go to, that they're free to go to the different activities. And so I'm going to show you some pictures of some of those. And it might actually give you some ideas of things that you can do um, with your kids, not in a big encounter zone setting necessarily. They're also great to do with family. Families. They're sort of things that you could do at home with kids or in a church setting with families. So a family goes and does one of these little activities. And they're simple. They're not difficult things. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're clever, you build up a little collection of equipment. You know, you, we've got some, like, um, um, some Christmas lights, for instance, that we bought when they were half white after Christmas. Um, we've got some heart boxes that we bought at Valentine's Day. You know, so you, you think about it during the year. You, you add to your collection different things uh, and store it, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, so... These are not in any order of significance. I'm just going to go through them. I'm going to go through quick, okay? In about 15 minutes, we're going to have a little break for a cup of coffee, cup of tea, okay? So we did entry gates for Thanksgiving. So we literally had a gate. Somebody made us one, and, and we made a, a grid of squares for kids to write or uh, draw something that they were thankful for. Because we want to encourage kids to be thankful and to recognise that God is good and he gives them lots of things, does lots of things for them. Okay, here they are. We did this with post-it notes as well. The post-it notes don't stick on very well. They're not designed to stick for very long, so they keep falling off. So that's not the best thing to do with that. I'm giving you some of my clues here. There's some more. Okay, this is a couple of things here. We, we want to... We 
encourage kids to not just encounter God for themselves, but also to actually realise that they can make a difference as they pray and as they make declaration. So your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We talk to the kids about what it's like in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. There's no violence in heaven. There's a, there's a, a, a king who's the king of all kings in heaven. Uh, the very best of everything is in heaven. Um, and we want those kind of things to become true in our situation, yes? This is what Jesus told us to pray. And so if you see there, we've got the Union Jack and we've got, some, we've got a crown on the chair. Um, can you point to it? Does it work? Yeah, it does. And uh, we've got some little crowns that we made. And so the children actually say, God, uh, they ask God what things in heaven they want that should come true on earth that they might need in their own life or in somebody else's life. And then they put the crown on the Union Jack or on a map of the UK or wherever you want that to be, a map of Haywood Heath or, you know, some representation of, of your community. Um, and then you'll see uh, the tree. You see the tree here? I think actually in the next one. Oh, let's move on to the next one. Now see these two. So it talks about the, the, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. And we, we talk about healing. So the kids actually make leaves out of their handprint and they write down the name of people uh, that they want to see healed and they put it on the tree. Um, we, we discovered, um, for the truth and the lies, we, we discovered that children believe, as we as adults do, lots of lies about themselves. I'm no good. Nobody loves me. Jesus didn't really die for me, etc., etc., etc. Ever heard any of those things? Ever thought any of those things for yourself? Um, and so we made some cards. We made some lie, lies, and we made some truth cards. And uh, we put them different colours around the mirror. And they had, to, they, they had to look at the lies and see if any of them, whether they believed any of them. And if they did, they had to find the truth that counteracted the lie that makes sense and they'd have to look in the mirror at themselves and and declare read uh declare the fact that that actually this is the truth and then sometimes we've also got them to actually draw a self-portrait and, and write the things that god says about them so they're simple little activities but they're connecting points and this is what i believe god god wants us to find those points where kids can really connect with him um Okay, what is heaven like? Sometimes we ask them to just get, uh, ask God to show them. And I, I, I use Revelation chapter 4, which is a picture of the throne room. And sometimes I read that, or I have it on a card in this instance, and kids can read it. And I can remember one boy coming to me at the end of a session, and he said, when we were talking about heaven, I had this picture of the throne, and it was made of gold, and it was this thick. And of course, it doesn't say that in Revelation chapter 4, but God showed him something. And he said, oh, it was amazing in heaven. I want to go there every day. Well, I want him to go there every day. You know, I want him to use, allow God to touch his imagination so that he can actually see something of heaven because that then will build his relationship with the one who's the king of all kings in heaven. Sometimes we have a play tunnel this is for younger kids particularly. And we have some objects. So we've got like a smiley face and a heart cushion. Smiley face is for joy. The heart cushion is for um, 
love. We might have um, uh, a cereal box or something for food, for vision. Um, uh, a, a water bottle. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, we have a bandage to represent healing. Um, and the children spend a bit of time in heaven asking God what they should take to heaven, what they should bring to earth. And they, they crawl through the tunnel and they bring to earth, they pray and bring to earth the thing. And one little boy went through one time and he's, he didn't have anything in his hand. And we said to him, well, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm bringing myself to earth. You know, he, he'd recognise, he'd realise something that actually God can use him to do stuff. We, we set up a tent. You can't see the activities in here, but we set up a gazebo where we had different things representing the death of Jesus. So we had dice and we had a cloak and we had a crown, thorns and the nails. And we talked to the children about what, God, what Jesus really did for them. You know, because we can sometimes glibly say, oh, Jesus died to set us free from our sins. But, you know, sometimes we, we need a bit, not to be too graphic, but, you know, Jesus went through a lot for us, didn't he? You know, and sometimes we just, you know, we just, it's there, but we don't really look at it. And then, of course, we didn't want to leave Jesus dead. Um, so we had, we got a, a, a black dustbin. We filled it with those packing peanuts, those polystyrene packing peanuts, you know what I mean by that? And we put plastic eggs, and, and you didn't used to be able to buy these very, very easily in this country, but now... You know, all the pound shops sell them at Easter to so keep your eye out. Plastic eggs that come apart. And we put inside little um, uh, erasers, smiley face erasers or smiley face stickers. And the idea was that the children would actually get one out and realise that actually an egg is, you know, a sign of new life, that Jesus is alive and he brings joy. Um, let's keep going. Well, this is our soaking area where the kids just lie on the floor, they listen to the music, and we just pray for them, that they'll, they'll, they'll know that God's close by them. You know, our kids need to know that God's with them, not just in an academic, intellectual way, but they need to have that experience of God never leaves them. If they're going to need it in school, and wherever else they go for that matter. Um, we, we, we really want to say to our kids that they're, and this is a lot about identity, really, that they're, they're princes and princesses. Now, little girls, you know, they're, they're all princesses, aren't they? Um, okay, they all want to be princesses. And uh, i tell you a little story about a two-year-old. And her mum was in Power Pack when she was a child. And uh, the mum went to America with YWAM, San Francisco, and met the daughter of a friend of mine. I mean, how God brings all these connections. And now... The mum's got married, come back to England, actually living in Wales now. And she's got a two-year-old. And one day, uh, as she was putting the two-year-old to bed, she says to the little girl, um, the little girl says to her rather, um, I'm going to a party tomorrow. And the mum says, no, no, we're not going to a party tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to a party tomorrow. And um, anyway, she goes to sleep and gets up in the morning, runs into her mum. Mummy, dress, party. I mean, she can't even say a lot, you know. And mum says, no, we're not going to a party. And she said, yeah, party. 
So she takes her mum in. She wants to wear a frozen princess dress, you know. Mum says, no, it's not very suitable. You go, We're going to play with a friend, you know. Because everybody wants to be a princess. Every girl wants to be a princess. And um, anyway, when they get to the friend's house, the mum says, oh, I hope you don't mind, but we've been invited to a party. And, um, and they've invited you too. Would you like to come? And when they get to the party, it's a frozen party, and every other girl is wearing a frozen princess dress. A two-year-old. Did she hear God? I believe she did. That God actually, Otherwise, she would have been the only child there not dressed as a princess. That would have been terrible. Um, anyway, so we want to tell the kids that they're royalty, they're princes and they're princesses. And, and so we read, we read a, a little declaration over them about who they are in God and what God thinks about them. And so here's the princess. Take it very seriously. And sometimes we get the other children to ask God if he's got things to say to them. It's simple, but very amazing. And the kids look at you. I did it in Argentina once, and I had this boy looking at me while I was reading this, and it had to be translated into Spanish as well. And his eyes never left me. You could just tell it was going somewhere deep inside him. God was speaking to him. Okay, we also did this uh, with dubbing you chosen as a knight. Would are we there yet? There we are. And uh, it was amazing, you know that the seriousness that 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 the, the kids took. Here, here's the, the child going. She's going to kneel on the cushion. Here she is. Look, a W chosen. God's chosen them. You know what happens for a child when this kind of thing happens? Their self-esteem rises all the time. Sometimes we just put a lot of uh, little plastic toys, cheap little things out, and we say to the kids, ask God what he wants to say to you, which one you should take, and what you should take. And one of the things in there, I don't know if you can see one, but they're like those little slinkies. You know what I mean? Like those, those spring-type things that go on and on. Is there one there? There it is. And uh, a kid said, well, this is, I've taken this because it's like God's love. It goes on and on and on. No end to it. And all kinds of things like that. Here they are. Keep going. Sometimes we get Play-Doh. Good old Play-Doh. And we ask the children to, or tell the children to ask God uh, what they should make. And this little boy here is making a Petri dish. You know, you don't expect seven, eight, and nine-year-olds to make a Petri dish. And, uh, and we asked him why, and he said, because God's told me that he wants me to be a scientist. So I'm making a Petri dish. This is great. You can, if you, you can make this bubble solution. And you can get this, you have to practice with this and you have to make the bubble solution right. Um, and you can get the, I mean, I've got it in my book, but you can get it off the internet as well, off the internet. Um, and you, you practice and you get the, the uh, uh, hoop and you pull it up. And basically we talk about God being in a bubble of protection with God. Um, here it is. It's amazing. Simple thing, but amazing. 
Oh, here's something that um, Rachel, who's working with our under fives, is doing a lot of. She she gets dolls and she asks the she asks the children. This is two, three, four year olds. Um, to ask God to show them where the dolls are hurting. Then they stick a plaster on, and then they take the dolls into the main adult meeting, and they ask. So there's a there's a one on the two on knees here. So who's got a problem with their knees? And people respond, and then they then the little two, three, and four year olds go and lay a hand on the the adults, and they get healed. Two, three, and four-year-olds. Some of them can hardly speak. But actually, God shows them where to put a plaster on a doll. And it becomes what the Bible calls a word of knowledge. But done in a way that's accessible to two, three, and four-year-olds. Okay? So don't, don't write off the little ones. They can hear God for themselves. The little girl that I told you about with a frozen dress, I heard another story about her yesterday. That she went to church with her parents and they were having a little meditation time. And they didn't know how they were going to keep her quiet. I mean, she's two. She's a typical two-year-old. So Dan, her dad, got, got the iPhone and put a little game on it. So she was playing with that. And everything was really quiet in the church. And all of a sudden, this little girl, Inka, her name is, looks up and says, God loves every single one of you. Looks down, plays her game. Uh, a few minutes later, she looks up again. And God says he cares about every one of you. Looks down again. She's two years old. You know, God can use these little ones. Okay, I've got two minutes. Okay, make the connection. This is a plasma ball. This does cost a little bit more money. But, you know, when you put your, put your, your finger on it, it, the electricity kind of sparks. Kids love, love that. Um, here they are again. Mine's slow here. Oh, here we go. We made uh, these glory jars. Um, uh, we call them glory jars. It's just a jam jar. Make sure it doesn't leak. We took one to Italy last week. And unfortunately, when we tipped it up, the water came out. So you have to test it. And you have water and you have glitter glue, glycerine, and some more glitter. And, you know, it's like those snow globes, you know, that you tip it up and then it all comes down. And we talk about God's glory, God's presence coming down on us. And we did it with adults last week, and they all stood up and held it on their heads. I wouldn't suggest that with, with the children, you know. Um, and then we, we just had a simple um, cushion like this. And this guy, this was in our training in Italy, he sat there maybe 45 minutes, and God met him in a really powerful way and showed him his love in a way he'd never experienced before. Okay, we did this. We made with hula hoops, uh, with ribbons. So we had red, we had a fire one, and we had a, a water one. And uh, and they, when we were in Italy last week, they put a gazebo up in their children's room, and they fixed one of these uh, fire ones. And they said that the problem is that when the kids arrive, they want to go in there, and they can't get them out again. They just want to stay in the place because the presence of God is strong there. It's a hula hoop and some ribbon. That's all it is. But somehow it, it, it's like a connection point. Um, let's move on. Um, oh yeah, this is, this is my favourite. Um, I went to Costco one day, just doing some shopping, and they were selling these huge bears. They're 53 inches tall, 
They're from America. I don't know what that translates into metric, but anyway, it's big. And they were selling them for 19.99. And I'm like, I'm buying one of these because as soon as I saw it, I could hear kids going, "Wow!" And uh, I felt it would represent how big God's love is. And uh, and so kids would come and hug the bear, and uh, and receive prayer. I did a seminar at Faith Camp last year called Living from a Place of Encounter, just with adults. And I said, look, just humour me. I'm a children's worker, first of all. So we've got our big bear over there, and we've got those, well, the kids, the water one, the kids called it the power shower. Let's get in the power shower and receive more of God's power. And, uh, you know, my seminar was due to end at three. I stopped talking at ten to three. And then we, I said, you know, there's different response places around. And at a quarter to five, the last person left from hugging the bear and receiving prayer. And people were saying they'd never experienced the love of God like they had when they sat with the bear. One lady said she'd been severely abused as a child in every way. She'd carried away all this pain and, and, and anger and everything. And as she received prayer hugging the bear, she felt it just all disappear. You know, it was a simple 1999 bear. You know, but God used it. Now sits in our office. Here are our kids who are soaking. We just lay them on the floor. Um, you might want to, if you use the internet, Father's Love Letter is a great thing. Um, and we just speak words over them. Or sometimes we just have quiet for them to listen to God. And uh, they, they started doing this in my church. And, and we've got some interesting boys in my church. In fact, we've got probably 80% boys and 20% girls. You know that makes a different group, don't you? When you have all those boys. And we also have some interesting boys. Okay? That's enough said. Okay? And when they first started doing this soaking, it was like, oh, these boys were like a pain in the neck, basically. But you know, the more they did it, just for a little time every week, the more amazing it got. Uh, and now the kids just love to just soak, just for a few minutes, hear from God. Just be still and quiet. You know, our kids live in a really hectic, hectic world. And sometimes we just need quiet. Uh, quiet and stillness for them to be able to connect with God. Okay, I'm only about four minutes late, so that's amazing for me. Um, so we're going to just break for 10 or 15 minutes, okay? And then we'll come back and uh, pick it up after that. If you've got any questions during these times, Emma's the one. Okay, she's not speaking out here, but she can answer all your questions. <laughs> she's smiling. Okay, no, seriously, good talk to me too. Whatever. Okay? Are we ready for coffee? Okay, great. You, you might be actually sitting there thinking, oh, I wish you'd give some practical things about how we should do all this stuff. Well, um, you know, Today, really, is not about doing that. Um, uh, Really, today, I want to just stir you to think about what you're doing and and what you could do. And, and, uh, you know, we're we're talking, Anne and I have talked about the possibility of doing something in the future that's more practically based. So we actually do some stuff together. Um, But, you know, I was at a conference last summer and um, it, was, uh, um, it was up in Harrogate. And um, I don't know if you're aware, familiar with Bill Johnson from um, Bethel Church in Reading. 
Anyway, um, I was speaking at, they had a leaders' conference, and he was one of the speakers at the leaders' conference, but he also came and spoke at the children's leaders' one, and I was one of the speakers there. It was this unearthly breakfast time meeting. You know, we got there at eight and left, eight in the morning, left at 11 at night. It was, they were horrendously long days. But anyway, this was amazing that he, he just sat there and people asked him questions about children and youth. And, um, and it was a great opportunity. And somebody said to him, uh, we, we have a bit of a problem in England because, in Britain, because when kids get to the age of 13 or 14, often they just drop out of church. Well, I was thinking, actually, it's often younger than that. Um, there's a big black hole in that 11 to 14 group. Um, and you could tell that this guy just wanted him to um, actually, uh, for Bill Johnson to say how you plug this hole, basically, and give him some practical ideas. And, and Bill Johnson said, uh, he just sat there quietly for a moment. He said, uh, this is how you stop that happening. You make sure the kids have so many amazing, authentic encounters with God before that age that they never want to walk away. That was the end of it. And you could tell the guy was like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear, thank you. I wanted one, two, three, four, five. This is what you do. Um, but actually, for me, that was one of the most profound things anybody could have said. Because that, that really is the thing. And that's why I've spent all this time about encounter and about creating those moments, um, of those situations where kids can, can encounter God. And, you know, some of our kids, they know what it is to be a Christian, but they've never actually made that response to become a Christian. And, uh, and you know, we need to give those opportunities when actually we say to children, you know, are you a friend of God? Are you a Christian? Obviously, we have to say what a Christian is and talk to them about that and give them that chance to respond. Now, you're the backup to the parents if children are from the church family, okay? And you hope that some of this is happening at home. Um, but let's give our kids the opportunity to actually make those kind of responses. And in almost all of our meetings, we take the opportunity to pray for children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we talk about, you need help. So we're going to pray for more help. And uh, we had one boy in one of our meetings, and he kept on going up to the leader saying, what time is it? And she thought he was just wanting to, you know, get out of there, you know. Because when we did that little survey about what you think about church, one of the things the kids said when we asked them what the best thing about church is, and they said, the end. You know, it's quite, quite scary, Okay. Um, and so we thought this boy just wanted it to be the end. And he kept going up to this leader, what time is it, what time is it? And in the end, she said to him, why do you want to know what time it is? He said, because I want to know when it's the prayer time so I can receive more of the Holy Spirit. And he was all the way through desperate for that time. And we had another boy who, um, he had some special needs, but he's in the meeting and we encourage kids when we pray for them to hold their hands out in front of them like this. Just as a little physical act of saying I'm ready for something, you know. So this boy's standing there like this. So uh, the leader said to him, no, 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 it's not like that. It's like this. So he said, no, but I want a big present from God. I don't want just a little one that I can hold like this. I want a big one. And, uh, and so, you know, we, I would encourage you, whenever you meet with your children, just take a moment. It doesn't have to be a long time. It doesn't have to be a, you don't have to be lost in wonder, love and praise before you do it. 
Kids can move very quickly from playing a game into a spiritual thing like that. Unfortunately, we take a bit longer to catch up. Okay? But give the kids the opportunity to make some kind of response. And, you know, I, maybe this is wrong of me, but when I'm in church listening to a sermon, you know, in my head is all the time are the words, so what? What difference, I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean what difference is what I'm hearing now going to make to my life this week? Because if all it's going to do is feed my head with knowledge that isn't going to make any difference in my life, then it's got limited, in my thinking, and I might be wrong, you know, this is just my personal thinking, um, what, what difference, what, what good is it going to do me? It, it, it's just filling my head with knowledge that isn't going to bring transformation. And I believe the word of God is meant to bring transformation into our lives. It's meant to be applied into our lives. It's not just knowing it here. Okay? So whenever I, I teach, I want to have a time when I say, what does this mean for you right here and now in your life this week? And I'm asking myself that question as I sit in in a, in a situation where I'm listening to a message being preached. What difference is this going to make to me this week? Because if it isn't, then, you know, it might be interesting. I'm a teacher. That's my primary gifting. A teacher and an administrator. You know, I like to read. I like all these facts. You know, I'm, I'm the kid who at 14 could answer all the questions on Mastermind about the Bible. Not miss one. I'm the, I'm the person who they call the walking concordance in the office. Okay, because I've read the Bible all the way through. I like all that. But actually, that did not build relationship with God for me. It's important and we need to teach the kids. But if they don't actually have a relationship with God that we're helping them build, we won't have done all of our job. Okay? That's a bit hard. I am glad to say this. But... I've only got these pictures as my notes, so it means I can say anything because I'm not going off my notes. I haven't got any. Okay, so this session, I, I just want to share with you the whole thing about, I believe not only does, uh, does God want children's ministry to be integrated and not isolated, not only does he want kids to be educated, but he wants them to encounter, but also he wants to move them from spectator, spectator to participator. So, for instance, in my dream, those children, they move from being spectators in a meeting to being participators in what God would do. And you know, children make the best evangelists to other children. Do you know why? Because they are with the other children. They've got time to be with other kids that we'll never get. Children, children can do amazing things with God. And when God uses them, it changes them forever, I believe. So, we had uh, a boy last year who'd got eczema all over his arms particularly, but in other places on his body. So another boy prays for this boy that he'd be healed. Because you see, we start every one of our meetings saying, God's here and he can do anything. Do we believe that? Well, we do in our heads, but sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to believe it you know, I had a kid once when I said that, said, I've got a wart on my finger. Can God make that go? And I'm like, well, I know he can, but will he? That's a different matter. Because up until that point, everybody I'd prayed for had got more sick. And every cat and dog that I'd prayed for, because you have to do that with kids, don't you, had died. 
So I'm like, will he, will he make the walk go? I'm not quite sure. But I, I heard myself say, come and watch. This was with a group of teenagers a lot of years ago. Um, that I'd refused to lead. For, I'd been asked several times at this summer camp to, to lead these teenagers. I'm like, no, I work with younger kids. No, no, no. And I get there and it's terrible. And I'm about to say to the organisers, I'm out of here. And, and, and in frustration, I say, God's here and he can do anything. Can he make my walk go? So I said, oh, come. Yeah, of course he can. Come and gather around thinking I'm out of here after this meeting. And before our eyes, the walk disappeared. You know, it changed everything for that week. It was like a mini revival. And the teenagers on the last day got up early so they could have an extra meeting. Teenagers don't get up early. Typically. Okay? Um, so anyway, this boy's got eczema. And another boy just prays for him. And as, as he prays, the boy goes like this with his hand and all the eczema disappears. What happens to a child who sees that happening to themselves or who's the one who's prayed? Something happens in the child then. Because they see that actually they're participating in what God wants to do. And uh, so we, we have a kids' prayer team. We do a little bit of training with them. And here's... These pictures, you can't see them very well because of the light, but this is Nick who works with us and, and he's training, doing a little bit of training with our kids' prayer team so that we want to encourage them to pray for other people, but we want to help, we want to encourage them to lay hands on other people, but we want them to know where to lay their hands. Okay? Just, just think about that. It could be very embarrassing. They don't think, they're not always very wise about it. So we just do a little bit of training how to pray, what to do, and, uh, and then we partner with them to pray. And uh, we've seen some amazing, amazing miracles happen as kids have prayed. Because do you know something? They really do believe that God can do anything. And they don't have to jump through all the hoops that we have to jump through. Will he, won't he? Well, it didn't happen last time. You know, maybe it's not God's will. I'm not sure. You know, anybody else have those thoughts when they pray for people? Kids generally don't think like that. So they pray and then they say, are you better now? Or did God do it? Or, you know, whatever. They expect immediate results and we need to be careful we don't squash their faith. So this is what Jesus said. Um, Luke ten twenty one. That time Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Jesus recognised the spiritual potential and the, the contribution that kids can make. And we, You know, that boy, that boy wanted the power, if you like, and uh, obviously he didn't have it of his own ability. He couldn't do anything. But actually... He had a father who wanted to help him out and partner with him. We want to we wanna tell our children that they've got a father in heaven who wants to work with them and, and give them the power that they don't have themselves. And so we, we use that with, with our kids um, quite often. Uh, you know, Ephesians 4.16 says, when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. We really need the children. They've got a contribution to make. And sometimes we miss it. Uh, this is a, a quote from a, um, 
a book that uh, is an old book now, but it says this, Church, wake up, we need the children. They have unique talents and abilities that are necessary to the health of the whole body. Now, not someday when they grow up. The soldiers with little feet, as the book's called. Um, this is from my church. Uh, the kids did the whole service. Listen to what Beth's got to say. She wrote that. It sums it up perfectly. I hope you could hear that, that basically God's made every one of us unique and with special abilities, the children as well. And uh, this, this was in a service that, that the children led. They do this every now and again. Um, they plan the whole service. They do the whole service. They pray for people. They do all sorts of stuff. The only thing they don't do uh, as, as, uh, as yet in our churches, we, we don't have a children's worship band. They, we do have children that participate in the worship. We have a, a young drum, drummer and some singers. Um, but we don't have actually a children's worship band yet. Now, in Italy, where I was last, last year, last year, last week even, feels like last year actually, last week. Um, this time last week, I'm still doing the same thing uh, here. Well, not the same material, but um, they've had four kids' worship bands. They've started when the kids have been like eight or nine. And by the time the kids are 15, they're leading the whole church in worship. And uh, they've really invested into the children in, in the kind of whole music field. Um, but, you know, kids have got, they've got something to bring. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes we need a new way of looking at things. We need to see children as God sees them, with the potential in them. Now, do you know, any of you get any naughty children ever? Or are they all perfectly behaved in Burgess Hill? Okay? If they're all perfectly behaved in Burgess Hill and they're all great, I'm moving here, right? Okay? But probably not. Okay? Because, you know, think about the child that causes you the most problem. Can you think of one or more? They've probably got the most leadership gifting of any. They're great at leading everybody into a lot of trouble. Greed? Okay? If God can only get hold of them, though, they could make great leaders. And uh, if you think about your children, you could probably identify uh, the kids who are like the, the, the teachers. They're the ones with all the questions. The administrators are the bossy ones. Okay? And by administration, I don't just mean paperwork. I mean organizational stuff and whatever. Um, and, and then you can see other kids who've got a pastoral gift, if you think about it. The ones that are always looking out for other people. Um, and it's a really good exercise, actually, to, to help them identify their gifts and, um, uh, gifts and passions. You see, one of my primary gifts is administration, but I, I don't really enjoy administration, you know? I have to do it, and I spend more time doing it than I want to do. Um, you know, I'm much more passionate about teaching than I am about administration. And when passion and gifting come together, that's when it has the most effect. Um, anyway, look at this. Celebrating tomorrow today. You know, children won't always get it right when they're young. And, uh, you know, they say never work with children or animals, you never quite know 
what a child's going to do if you give them a microphone or give them the floor, as it were, to speak. You never, ever know. And, uh, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not quite so good. I remember being at faith camp, you might have been there, where we had a boy who'd been praying for the sick all week. We'd done a little 20-minute teaching about praying for the sick. And the next day he comes running into me. He says, Heather, I prayed for 11 people. He's eight years old. He's a little boy. So I'm like, oh, that's great. You need to keep going. Next day he comes in. He's prayed for 22 or 24 people. That's great. So that night we were going to take all the children into the main adult meeting to give some testimonies. So I said to him, would you like to tell everybody what you've been doing this week? So he said, okay. So we're walking down to the main adult meeting. There's like three or 4,000 people there going to be there. Didn't quite tell him that. But on the way down, he says to me, I'm telling myself not to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. Can I hold your hand, please? I'm like, fine. So we go into the meeting and we get up on the platform. This boy has some interesting behaviour. That's all I should say. You know, it was great at praying for the sick, but he had some interesting behaviour. And uh, I was thinking, hmm, how am I going to handle this? I think I'll keep hold of the mic and just interview him. So I have no idea what he's going to do. I took a chance. And um, so I asked him, and he said, oh, I've been praying for the sick. And, 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 and I said, how does that make you feel? And he said, oh, it's great, you know, see God do stuff. And, and so then I said, um, so, you know, I think there'll be lots of people in this meeting who are sick tonight. Uh, would you like to pray for all of them? I hijacked the main meeting, basically. But they liked me at faith camp, so I thought they probably wouldn't, wouldn't mind. So um, uh, he said, yeah, okay. So I said in the meeting, anybody who's sick, stand up. Lots of people stood up. The only great thing about it was we were blinded by the lights, so we couldn't really see what was going on very much. And uh, then I thought, okay, I'm going to take an even bigger chance here. I'm going to give him the microphone. So I give him the microphone, and he stands there, and he says, God, no more blind people here. God, I don't want any more deaf people. No more people with back problems, heart problems. And he goes through this whole list of things. I'm like, what? We didn't teach you to do it like that. You know? God was like downloading all these things to him. And uh, so he gives me the microphone back finally and we leave the meeting. As we're going out, a lady runs up. She said, I've had pain in my leg for 10 years. And when that boy prayed, all the pain left. And uh, you could just see this little boy. You know, he's he just... He just grew inside, you know. So we're walking back to our meeting. He's still holding my hand. And this other lady comes up. She said, my dad's been taken into hospital. Can the boy pray for him? I'm like, here am I, the power pack leader of 25 years. She's not interested in me praying. She's interested in this little eight-year-old boy. So I said to him, would you like to pray? Yeah. So he prays. It's an absolutely amazing prayer. And this lady goes off. Later, after our meeting, she comes back. She says, um, I've got my dad on, on um, the mobile phone. Can the boy pray for him again? And uh, it turns out her dad was in Africa somewhere. She's got him on the phone. It's the last scene, eight-year-old Ben praying for a, a guy in a hospital in Africa. Okay? You know, God could do amazing, amazing things. And it, that came out of just providing a little bit of training um, for the kids. You know, we just, we just help them. And I want to encourage you to actually look at your children and say, are there things that we could involve them in doing that maybe currently we do it all?
And then we need to make opportunities for that to happen. Um, one of the things that we, we, we do is something called listen and go. And this really developed out of something they do at Bethel Church in California. Uh, they do something called treasure hunting. And the whole idea of treasure hunting is that you ask God for clues to go and find some treasure. The treasure being a person. So you get your piece of paper and you write down any clues that God gives you. They're words of knowledge, really, in terms of what the Bible would call them. So you might write down the description of a person or the name of a person or just an object or just something. Just whatever God gives you, you write it down and then you go looking for the people. And um, so we've kind of simplified it a little bit and said, uh, we, we're doing something called listen and go. And the whole idea is that the kids listen to God and then they go. And uh, one of the first times we did this, we, we had some kids who, they got the clues. We were at another event, not Faith Camp, where they, they've got what they call a tater tent, where they sold jacket potatoes. And so they got the clue, tater tent, um, an older lady dressed in grey who'd got a problem with her eyes and a young girl called Amy who, ne- who wanted to meet God in a new way. So they go with the leader off to the tater tent and when they get there, they go in. It's during the morning meeting, so they're just, uh, they're just uh, you know, preparing. And they, they ma- manage to get into the tent and there's a lady sitting there dressed in grey, an older lady with glasses. And she had some specific eye problem that they prayed for. She couldn't tell whether she was healed. It wasn't something she could tell. And, um, and they were like really excited because they found this lady, you know. And they're just leaving. And one of the kids says, what about Amy? Now, there's nobody else in there. And this guy comes in. He's the boss. So the leader says, um, you don't have anybody called Amy here, do you? He said, oh, yeah, she's just out the back. Wait a moment. And she goes and get, he goes and gets Amy. And the kids tell her what God had told, her, uh, told them. And, um, and Amy burst into tears because she says she felt far away from God and she really needed a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so what happens? They, the kids pray for Amy and, uh, and she, has, she meets God in a new way. And I could, I could keep you here until next week telling you all the stories about things that have happened. When another girl who heard the word anxiety and a few other clues, they find a guy, a guy and uh, he was anxious because he'd lost his job the week before. Didn't know I was going to provide for his family. And so um, the leader asked a little girl, she was eight, you know, would you pray for the guy? She prays this amazing prayer. And as they walk away, she looks at the leader, the girl, and says, what is anxiety? She didn't even understand the word, but God used her. So it's not always that that kids can process it in their heads, but God can still use them. And uh, um, Nick's done this kind of thing, particularly in all kinds of places, um, in cities, towns all around you know, proper, out on the streets. And uh, one time he took a group of kids to, they were in Northampton, and Northampton's well known for its shoe making. And there's a shoe museum in Northampton. So the kids had these pictures of, of shoes and they asked God for words and who they should give it to. And they went to the shoe museum. And this little girl, little five-year-old, she got this word and, and it said something like, 
you're wearing special shoes today and God thinks you're special. So they're in the shoe museum for about an hour and a half and this little girl doesn't find anybody to give her a piece of paper to. And Nick's saying, oh, that lady's got some nice shoes on. Is it her? No, she says. Uh, oh, that, that, little, that, that, that girl over there's got some sparkly shoes. Is it her? No, says the girl. So they leave the shoe museum and Nick's like, oh, no, this little girl hasn't found her treasure. What are we going to do? You know? And on the way back to the church... Um, there's this bride standing outside a pub with a pint in her hand, dressed in all her uh, wedding dress and everything. And the little girl said, that's her, she's got special shoes on. She's five, this little girl. And uh, so Nick goes with the little girl and uh, he explains. And the little girl hands over a piece of paper, you're wearing special shoes today. And she says it, you're wearing special shoes today. God thinks you're special. And the bride starts crying. What's the belling? She's still got that piece of paper. That God would actually choose to speak to her on her wedding day with a pint in her hand. You know? And, uh, you know, and kids, we do this. We make all our kids do this at, at the events that we do because we want kids to, to grow, uh, how can I say, grow in confidence in a safe environment. Um, so in my church, they, 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 we've done this um, on um, a Sunday morning where the kids have asked um, for words or uh, for people in the congregation. And after they've finished uh, their session and we're having coffee together, they come down and they find the people that God's spoken to them about. Or they've written messages and put them on car windscreens outside. And you, you, messages from God. So people go to their car and there's like a message on the car and they're like, oh, and you know, I can't tell you how many times they're so specific for those people, those kind of things. So I've got a little video here of, uh, of what happened when we did this at Faith Camp one time. That was the very first time they'd done that. So we'd had a little time when they could... We talked to them about the ways that God speaks and then we went and did it. And do you know what happens? That the kids actually, um, we we feed these kind of activities in the encounter zone in with regular activities like games or craft or different things like that. And do you know, the kids always want to do this again. They always want to do it again because there's something about seeing God at work and using them that actually does something in them. Okay, I've just got a few more things to show you. This is um, in Thailand. Um, we've actually had power pack missionaries in Thailand. And these kids are all from a, a, a children's home. Uh, these kids are amazing. They, they were like the worship team for us when we were there. But these kids have sung in front of the governor of the province. Um, they've done drama. One Christmas they saw 1,500 people come to the Lord through what they did. And these are orphans that God's got hold of and people have believed in. And uh, these kids know who their father is. They're not orphans anymore. And uh, and God's using them amazingly. Um, This is is the first kids' worship band that they had in in Italy. And uh, this girl here, Francesca, is now at the Kingdom Faith Bible School. 
Um, and by the time she was 14 or 15, she was leading worship in the main, you know, three or 400 people, not batting an eyelid about it. But she started when she was young and people invested into her. Oh. Oh, we've got back. I want to say something. One of the things we do is we, we do something called Power Pack Academy. And uh, we try and help kids identify areas that they might want to God to use them in. And one of them is preaching. And, uh, and we've done this at my church too, and the kids have preached in the service. In fact, last time that a kid preached, my pastor said the next week, I, I think I've got some big competition from Solomon, um, who preached the week before. And uh, normally kids, it's very short, um, but God's used them in, in, in powerful ways as, the, as they've preached. And we just give them a little bit of help. They normally, before they get to this point, have about three 30-minute sessions. We had one boy in my church, he didn't want to preach in church, but he wanted to preach in school. So he goes to school the week after uh, they'd finished this, and um, he asks his teacher if he can share what he's been doing in Sunday school, in g force we call it. And then um, the teacher says, okay, we're going to do our religious studies this afternoon. You can share it in there. So in, in the middle of the religious studies lesson, um, he, he shares this amazing message about Jesus coming and dying for everybody. It was just an evangelistic message. And his mum said to him later, um, oh, were you studying Christianity? He said, no, Buddhism, but it didn't matter. <laughs> so in the middle of their lesson about Buddhism, he preached the gospel. Um, but anyway, uh, I've got a couple here of little um, of kids that have preached and uh, thought you might like to hear them. They're, they're short, but to the point. Okay. So 12 children went to the side and the leaders went and prayed with them as he instructed, 10 years old. His name was Matthew. Um, and, uh, you know, he preached that confidently. You know, there will be some children in your midst who have got that gift. I guarantee. Um, we had a little boy in the summer, a little boy called Josh, and um, he did our preaching academy group and... Um, then he went into the main meetings, about 2,000 people, and preached his sermon. And it was about Jonah and about Jonah making bad choices. And as a result, there were consequences. And after the meeting, a lady came up to our meeting. And she said, I want to talk to the boy who preached in the main adult meeting just now. And um, so I found him. And he's just a little tiny boy, wasn't he? So she gets down on her knees and so she could look him in the eye. She said, I want you to know that my life's going to change because of what you preached this morning, what God gave you. I've been making mad choices and God spoke to me this morning. What happened to that boy? His confidence grew. He went running to his dad saying, that lady's, who was on our team, that lady's life's going to change because of the word God gave me this morning. That changes a child. Um, so here's another boy. Um, he was 10 years old, that boy. And he preached to the children in the morning and went to the adult meeting and preached in the afternoon. Um, you know, there, there are gifts within our children that we miss out on if we don't, if we don't see them come to the fore. And the way, you know, the way you, you work that through in your own setting is for you to work out between you, actually, as a team. Um, let's just show you a few more pictures here. Um, oh no. Keep going. 
I don't think we want him again, okay? We, we've done uh, like prophetic art. In other words, you know, ask kids to ask God what they should draw. This was actually in Thailand. We did a workshop. Some of the things that they had uh, were absolutely amazing. Um, okay, we get our kids praying for the adults. So this is what we do at, uh, at our big events every year is we make fire tunnels, basically a tunnel of children and the adults walk through. And, um, uh, and when we have our power pack for the family meetings and, you know, we have adults who come to our meetings who've got no children, you know. They come because they hear the children are going to pray and uh, they know the power of God will be there. So they turn up at our power pack for all the family times just for the prayer time at the end so the kids can pray for them. And you can see people walk into the the, 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 the tunnel of children and they're thinking, oh, aren't they cute? And then the Holy Spirit hits them. And then they're like, we have so much crying. It's just unbelievable as the Holy Spirit touches people as the kids just pray simple prayers for the, for the, for the adults. Um, praying for the sick, I already talked about that a little bit. Um, actually helping them to know how to pray. Not that there's any set way, but just giving them some tools. You know, sometimes we throw kids in at the deep end. And we don't give them any tools. We ask them to do things that they're not prepared for. And we don't want to We don't want to scare the life out of them. Or out of ourselves, for that matter. Um, you know, we, we want to encourage our kids to intercede for the nation. This is kids actually at a prayer event in Thailand again. But we encourage our kids wherever we go that they can make a difference. And uh, there's a whole group of uh, mostly power pack leaders, actually, but under the heading of Children Changing Nations. Um, and I haven't got time to tell you about it now, but basically every year they take kids to London or they've been to Manchester, different places, and they go to the significant places in our country and pray. Um, uh, because, you know, we believe their prayers can make a difference as much as our prayers. Um, this is uh, the lady who wrote Children with Little, uh, Soldiers with Little Feet. How, I wondered how many times we've missed the ministry of children because we were afraid of what they might do. It does take trust. It is a risk. They might say something inappropriate or do something wrong. So, if our nice, decent and in order services get shaken up from time to time, so what? I think that encouraging the little members to move out in ministry would have results that far surpass the odd little embarrassment they might cause. I totally agree with that. You know, and it requires us to take some risk with the children, but it also requires us to take some risk ourselves. You know, it's much easier to just follow through in your manual what you're going to do, or to give them some colouring, or play a game, or tell them a story. But actually, when you allow the Holy Spirit to work, anything could happen. And we need to get to a place where we see that as an exciting adventure with the Holy Spirit. It's just like that Darth Vader clip. God's our Father too, who wants to give us what we need. I'm just about finished here, but just have a little listen to this. We will tell the next generation. I believe we need to be those who equip the next generation, who help the next generation encounter God for themselves and build a relationship with him that will keep them forever close by him. Why don't we pray just as we finish?
Father, I want to thank you for the time we've had together this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for each one of, uh, of those here who've been participating this morning. And Lord, I want to pray that uh, you will uh, help them to remember the things that you want them to remember. I pray, Lord, that you will stir something deep within them to, to go after more, more for themselves, Lord, because we're fully aware that we can't give away what we don't have ourselves. And more, Lord, for the children that they have contact with in whatever setting, church, home, school, wherever they find themselves in contact with children. Lord, I pray that you help them to see in a different way, to see the children, to see the potential and to see the need. And I'm simply praying now, Lord, for more of your Holy Spirit for each one of us. Lord, we recognize that we can't do this. We're scared. We, we're sometimes much happier to stick with what we know and what we've done in the past rather than step out into new areas. But Lord, I pray that you will so fill us with yourself. You will so fill us with power and wisdom and creativity. You will so fill us with confidence, not in ourselves, Lord, but in you, the one who will be with us every step of the way. And Lord, I want to pray that, I want to thank you for all that you've done in this church with children in the past. I want to thank you for the way you've used your people who've, who've given themselves to this ministry. But Lord, I'm praying for more. I'm praying, Lord, that you will, you will bring something about in this place, at this time, in these days, Lord, that will bring great glory to you and that we will see a generation of children in this church, in this town, actually who can stand strong no matter what comes against them. Lord, we pray for Daniels to be raised up. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us play our part in this. So Lord, we thank you for this time and, and we ask that uh, you will use us for the sake of the children and to bring you glory. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to serve with you. Thank you, Lord, that we're in partnership with you and that you will give us all we need to do this ministry. Um, I, I, I don't think it takes long, you know, the take a moment, you know. It can, it can just be a moment. But what you, what you have to do if you've only got, well, whatever amount of time you've got, is you plan for that and you work out what are the must-do things. And there will be some things on your list of things that you've planned or do you use some printed material or something like that. There'll be some things that are must-do things, okay? There'll be other things that are, that, that you can leave. It doesn't matter if they don't happen. So that's what I do, if I, however much time I've got. I mean, I have a program planned out, you know, to the minute. So if our meeting's finished in at 8.30, uh, 8.28, we're singing the Power Pack song on my plan, okay? Never does my plan happen quite as I plan, you know? But I have got in my head the things that are non-negotiable, non the things that must happen, 
And some of those things might be just fun things. They won't necessarily always be just all the spiritual things. Um, as I said, you know, at the beginning. Um, and there are other things that I think, well, it doesn't matter if we don't do that. Now, I've had many drama teams who've practiced dramas and puppet sketches and never, ever used them. I've prepared many, many things and I've never used them. Okay? Because God's kind of taken it off in a slightly different thing. Or I've planned something and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have a response time at the end. The end's not always the best time because you run out of time. And I say, if you're going to have a prayer time, don't do it at the end. You know, because you'll always run out of time. I don't know if that's your experience. It's like, um, but you actually work out what, the, what do you want to see out of your session? What, in what way do you want the kids to connect with God? And you make sure that happens. And it might be a minute, it might be two minutes, it might be five minutes. It might take the whole session. But you decide what the most important things are, rather than try and do the lot. I mean, obviously, if you've got more time, you can do more. But you use what you've got. I actually think that as churches, I'm not saying this about your church because I don't know, but as churches generally, we've not done a very good job at this. Um, we, the, because really, if children come from Christian families, it's the parents' responsibility to raise their kids in a spiritual way. We are meant to be the backup. But often parents see what we do as the main thing and then they'll back us up with a little bit. And let's face it, parents are busy. Children's lives are busy. Yes? Everybody's really dead busy. I actually think we need to be much more proactive in involving parents in terms of maybe giving them tools. I mean, for instance, let me give you an example. One year at Spring Harvest, we do the fives to sevens at Spring Harvest. And one year we made these spinning wheels, prayer spinning wheels, out of a paper plate. I hate paper plate craft. I hate craft full stop. No. So that's, just, that's me. Okay, so we make this little spinning wheel. Uh, I made a big one, actually. Um, and the kids spun the wheel wherever it landed. They prayed. So there were things like children that were sad, revival, the prime minister, different, different things like that. And uh, so the kids made their own little paper plate. And, and we had an email from a family uh, three or four weeks after the event who said that that prayer spinning wheel revolutionised their family devotions. And I'm like, it's a paper plate. <laughs> but it was a tool. It was a tool. We've done something that we called thanks banks where children get like a margarine tub or anything, that you make it like a piggy bank. And every, every time they think of something to thank God for, they put a little piece of paper or drawing in. And then they open it at some point and have a Thanksgiving time. They're simple little tools. So I, I actually think we need to involve more parents in that kind of thing, to give them some tools. I went to a church once where they had like an open evening for parents every year. You know, like the school sort of parents' evening. Um, when you go and talk to, you know, the teachers about your kids at school. Well, they did it for parents to come and talk to the leaders of the children's ministry about their kids, which is quite interesting. And then they'd have a little time when they'd actually share some stuff with, with um, parents. Um, you know, we want to encourage kids to hear from God, but 
we might know how to do that or we might not or we might be just trying out trial and error type thing but you know we we've got some experience with children parents ne don't necessarily know how to do that so they don't do it if we could give them a few little tools though they might do it more i don't know if that answers your question but the more we can give parents in a way that doesn't bombard them with more and more paper and more and more things to do um really need God's wisdom to know how to do that as a church um, in the best possible way. But, you know, what Bible do you buy your child? Are there any websites that it would be good to recommend to parents to get their kids involved in? You know, that kind of thing. Parents haven't got time to go and generally trawl through all that stuff. And you're probably thinking, well, nor have I. Um, but actually, I think part of the responsibility of a children's leader in the church is actually to resource parents as well as children. And I, I think we've missed it by a million miles, most churches. Not just in this country, but everywhere. We just haven't done it. We haven't backed up the parents very well. Uh, I think I've got two answers to that. Um, one is that there are some leaders who are very happy to just have a verse and run with it. And they've got the confidence, the ability, the creativity, if you like, to do that. There are other leaders that would resign on the spot if that's all they had. Or not ever get involved because that's all they've got. So I think it really depends on the leaders that you've got and how confident they are and how they feel um, about having a minimum. Okay. Um, I, think, I think people make it a lot harder than it actually is. They look at what you do and think, oh, I could never do that. Well, actually, and actually it's because they, they think it's going to be harder than it really is, in my opinion. Um, and we need, to, we need to, I mean, I don't know how it is recruiting people for you, but, you know, sometimes if you want to recruit people and all they're going to get is a verse to work on, they're going to say no because they don't feel capable of doing that. Now, we can work with them to help them know how to do that. Um, but generally, if you can put something in people's hands, you're going to recruit people more easily, I would say. So that's that whole thing. Um, I mean, we've written a lot of material. Um, we've got lots of teaching series. It's more themed rather than whatever. And there is an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, obviously. Um, and uh, there are um, indicators in it for response time. Um, and, uh, and there are one or two other curriculum around, but they're few and far between, very few and far between, in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit with children in encounter. And we've written ours really with that. So we've got one, one all about worship, one about um, hearing from God, one that we called the Father's House that came out of a, uh, a vision that God gave me of I walked into this house, into a hallway, and there were doors that were ajar. And God said to me, behind these doors, there's different aspects of my character for you to experience. And so we wrote a teaching series based on that. Uh, and all of our teaching series are things that we've used. Now, you might, if, I mean, my church, in my church, they've used them all now. We've, we've just, they're just trialing one for us now called Fire Carriers. It's about the fire of God. Um, it, are they similar? In some ways they're similar because there's always that emphasis on 
receiving more, going further, that kind of stuff. We've done one called They Can Do It, which is the little workshops about the different ministries. Um, so we've got, oh, we've got one called Filled With Power, which is based on the life of Peter after Pentecost. It's about the power of God. So we've, we've but they're, they're all things that we've used. And, and if, if they're samey, it's because they're about the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, come, we've got, which is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. Oh, Father God, about the, the Father relationship with Father. Um, so, yeah, so we've got a lot of materials. Um, there is somebody else writing some stuff. It's called Connected. Um, there's two terms of it done at the moment. Um, you know, it, you've got to work harder, I would say, to make that work than people say you have to with ours. Each session of ours has about one and a half to two hours worth of material. So in my church, for instance, they do it over two weeks. Um, and at the end of each one that, that they do, then they, they do a service normally. They lead the whole service based on that. So they wanted to, when they'd done worship matters, for instance, they wanted to, to do a service about worship, encourage people to worship. Um, so, and, and, you know, I'd, I'm not... I'm, I'm an advisor to the children's work in my church. I'm not actually hands-on doing it because I'm there very, very infrequently because I'm travelling all the time. So it's not like I've taken this material and used it. Other people have taken it and used it. And it seems to have worked. And we've seen our kids really on a journey and it's been amazing over the last three years of what's happening with our kids now. Um, I was in Argentina and a pastor said to me, can you write some curriculum for us? And I'm like, I'm never going to get around to doing that. Um, because Argentina is an interesting country where they've been in revival. It sounds like you're saying rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb at the front of a church and 50 people run to the front and get saved. And that happens in multiple services every weekend in some churches. It's amazing. But you go to the children's work and it's like going back 50 years with the Bible store and the colouring sheet and not much else. And, uh, and so he was asking for some curriculum. And what God said to me was, don't write the curriculum, write a book that actually people could take any curriculum and this would help them see more of the Holy Spirit at work with, within that curriculum. And so that book came out of that, Blood, Sweat and Tears, that book took me, and two trips to Argentina to write and being told that I wasn't allowed to come back until I finished it. Because I don't enjoy writing, it's really hard for me. Um, but people have said to me that they found it really, really helpful. In fact, one, one girl in, who's a children's worker at King's Church in Eastbourne said to me, she's got a Bible in that book and she thinks that's all she needs. So I think it probably hit the mark somewhere. And it, it's got three parts. The first part is what I call practical theory. Some of the things that I've shared this morning will be in that, um, amplified. Then the second part is frequently asked questions about things like ministry times, worship times, prayer times, testimony times. Um, I didn't talk about testimony this morning, but one of the things I try and do is if I tell a story from the Bible that has, um, like it's a miracle story, then I want to find an up-to-date testimony along the same lines. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we don't just want kids to think that God worked in the past but not now. 
Um, so testament science is in there. And then the third section are what I call program add-ons. They're things like when I said about Revelation chapter 4 or the treasure hunting, they're things that you can add into a program to actually, you know, uh, how can I say, see God work more. Um, and then that 30 moments of encounter was slight to supplement it even more, basically. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.